Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I am Michelle Lichty, and I'm here today with David Henderson. Getting my device all set up here. Sorry about that. And hello. <laughs> I understand. I fortunately have a mouse because I'm on my computer. You're on your phone. So it's all right. I'm going to try to do all these little screen. clicks and not have my hands up in front of the camera at the same the time. Camera. Yeah. Right. Yes. Well, we're here today to talk about your sermon, David, from this past Sunday um, entitled Love One Another from First Thessalonians. The main text was verses uh, chapter four, verses nine and 10, but we did spend a little bit of time in chapter one, verse three. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you started, you started your sermon in a little bit of an unconventional way, talking about drifters and the great depression. <laughs> right. Where are we going here? Right. <laughs> I thought, where are we going? Exactly. Where are we going here? <laughs> what does this have to do with loving one another? Right. Um, but it was all about reputation. What is our reputation as as people of God and as particularly of people as covenant? What is our reputation in the community? Yeah. And yes, and particularly with the, the ultimate thought that our reputation uh, bears on God's reputation that uh, mm-hmm. so not so much are we thought well of, but um, is is the way that we present ourselves representing representing God in a way that's mm. faithful to to who he is and how he desires to be known mm-hmm. yeah and and uh as I yeah so the 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 question was what was the um what might be the the code that someone would leave on our uh, fence in front of our house after they'd interacted with us to let someone else know what they might expect to experience when they interact with us, which I find to be a very, very probing question. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, and then that leads to the question of, you know, what, um, how are, what, what, what is the word that's getting out in the community about us? And uh, here, as in all through the message at the beginning and the middle of the end, um, I made a point to say what joy it's been for me in recent months out in the community to hear people um, making an instant connection as I talk about covenant, you know, just that that has the church. I usually say it's church I, I'm part of. I don't usually announce that I'm the pastor. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just so fun watching people's face light up and with recognition and, and then begin to narrate uh, the very things we've been praying that God would be forming in us over mm-hmm. the last four years. And that's yeah, a delight. Yeah. It's so encouraging. I remember uh, when we were talking about this pre COVID and how, you know, we had a fairly good reputation then, but I, it seems like it's, um, more ingrained or embedded or further spread i'm not sure but it does feel like it's deeper and richer in the past four or five years i really agree and i 
you know, it's interesting that the, the thought that just occurred to me is when we, when we set out to have a good reputation, then that becomes something that's calculated. Mm. And then we start thinking about how we please people and, and God has had us on such a different path, which is how we love people, not how we please people, which is so different. I'm, I'm, Mm. I have such a different starting point. I'm not thinking about how I'm seen. I'm thinking about how I see you and you in your need. Am I aware of your need? Am I finding um, Mm -hmm. ways to respond to you at the point of your need, even when that's inconvenient for me? Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's the, the thing that I, I'm seeing in our congregation. And I'm just these, these pictures of people in the covenant family are scrolling through my mind right now as I'm thinking about people who've become so intentional to reach out to their neighbors, to form walking clubs or to watch kids or to, um, to bake pies or to uh, respond when crises come or people in their workplaces and, uh, and the way that they're living out their faith in those contexts or, or mm-hmm. moving into volunteer roles in the community and making a difference there or so on and so on and so on. And so, yeah, it's interesting. It's like the, the reputation is the wake that follows after living a life of love. And mm. I think we're, yeah. we've just been leaning into that and this, what's, what is the, the, of course, outcome is our being thought well of. So it's, mm-hmm. it's very interesting. And even thinking about evangelism versus love, if mm. I, if I am evangelizing you, I'm looking for that opening right. to be able to get the gospel in. Right. Um, but I may not do that with sensitivity or really knowing you or knowing if this is the right time to say this or how this will resonate with you or what your backstory is related to religion and all of that, where if my heart is to love you, I will always eventually get to the gospel as Bradley will remind us this coming Sunday. Mm. I'll always eventually get to the gospel. But, yeah. but by the time I get there, you will be so persuaded of my concern for you and my love for you and my fondness for you that mm-hmm. there the trust is formed and you're ready to hear. Yeah. Right. So I think it's that same sort of thing of a calculus this way versus a posture of the heart this way in a way of seeing. Yes. Yeah, it is. And I think sometimes, you know, when we talk about living a life of love, we can sometimes get lost in, well, what does that look like? And I think that you've kind of unfolded that for the rest of the sermon um, what does, what does being loving really look like? And, um, you started with chapter one, verse three, and the phrase labor prompted by love. And I thought, I just love the way you unpacked that. Um, you know, it was the definition of love, which is agape love, the unconditional love, and then why does that lead to, or why is, why does that kind of love lead to labor? Yeah, exactly. And that whole idea that, you know, that in our culture, I think one of the lines I said was something like in our culture, love means everything and it means nothing. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so I think we bring this really vague notion uh, into our encountering the word in scripture. And so to be able to think of it in terms of specifically a, a sacrificial or a costly love, and it's sacrificial or costly, not just because 
I should just go find ways to hurt myself. That's not what we're talking about. It's right. I should go find ways to put your need ahead of my own. That that's mm-hmm. the essence of love as I'm putting mm-hmm. you ahead of me. And that will always cost me. Sometimes it's just the cost of inconvenience or um, I'm, I might be being missed at the moment where I'm paying attention to you or it costs me time or I'm late for a meeting because I've talked to a neighbor or, or I'm, I'm, I'm out a hundred dollars because I'm trying to figure out how to respond to a friend in need or whatever it is. Um, yeah. So it's the, always in the new Testament understanding of love is this dimension of cost or sacrifice that comes from you first, not me first, which is, could not be more radically different. I mean, that's, that's the biblical ethic and our cultural ethic are like this on that one. Um, Who comes first? You, me. uh, Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. And I think we see that. I think that, that we see that a lot in our culture. Like what is the, what are the natural results of putting me first? And that is what makes when, when we as followers of Christ are able to demonstrate Christ's love in our actions and our love for others by putting their needs first. It's so different. It's so striking that people can't help but say, what, what is different about you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, a more jarring example of this, but the principle bears out even in a, in a quieter and more peaceable context like ours, uh, is talking to my friend Nassan, who's a, a spiritual leader in, in Cairo, in Egypt. Uh, where after the there a number of Muslims burned down churches mm-hmm. and uh, and attacked some Christians, the response to the the Christians was to to paint on the wall inside their uh, burned out churches, "We forgive you," and the um, Muslims were overcome, many of them, by that posture that was so incomprehensible to them because of mm. the frame of reference they had up to that point. Um, yeah. And seeing that self-sacrificial posture of love and forgiveness um, just uh, collided with everything that they held true. And it led to this um, this swell of of people walking to those churches and saying, OK, what is it that you have that lets you do this? I want mm. and mm. a number of people. I think they said there were thousands of people who became followers of Christ after that kind of uprising took place and persecution of the church. Wow. Yeah. It's so talk about, we costly, don't have a category right? for it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. And we don't have a category for it. And especially in English, we don't have a word for it because I can, I can love pizza. I can love ice cream and I can yeah. love God. Yeah, and right. it's like, they're two different kinds of love. It's yes, not it's like, the same. Yeah. And Michelle, what you were just saying, I think was, is so important. You know, we're always, as followers of Christ, we feel this responsibility want to want to be able to talk with people about our faith and to see them come to Christ. 
And I think it's so helpful for us to be reminded that it's not going to be me saying just the perfect poignant thing that's going to pivot the conversation. Suddenly the person is going to say, oh, up until that, you said that I was totally um, disinterested in spiritual things. And now would you please tell me who Jesus is and how I can be saved? You know, it doesn't (laughs) happen that way. But when people encounter the incomprehensible in us, which is Mm -hmm. a beautiful life, a loving life that puts others first and a forgiving life. There's no non-Christian source for any of those three. There's not a, Mm. there's, you can't track them back to anything apart ultimately from, from God as he made himself known in Christ. And so I think there's the, the, there's such compelling power in those things when we encounter them in, Mm -hmm. in other human beings. Mm-hmm. So while it could seem like love is, well, I'm not getting to the important stuff. I'm not sharing the four spiritual laws or whatever. No, it 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 opens up the heart of the other person as they encounter that in us. What do I right. do with this that you're doing? I don't have a way to make sense of this. What oh, what is yeah. this in you? Yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. And that and I mean and that is you know what we're describing right now is like loving people outside uh, like our neighbors and the people on our route. Um, But then this, this other part of your sermon, you talked about loving one another um, and that from chapter four, verse nine, and that Greek word for love is phileo, which is different Mm -hmm. than agape. Um, And so, so Paul or yeah, Paul is saying, you know, we don't, I don't need to write to you about your love for one another, your phileo, your fondness, the family um, fondness you have for each other because you have it. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah. So you're, you're, the distinction you're making is absolutely right that, you know, there's this broad category. The same word is used for the love we're supposed to have for one another within the family of faith. And for people outside of the church, as will be opened up this coming Sunday. And it's the same word that's used to describe the love that God has for us and that we are to have for him. So that's a very broad and encompassing word. But yeah, mm-hmm. the what I zeroed in on then in this sermon in particular was what's the nature? How does that find itself expressed in our interactions with each other? Mm-hmm. And and we, we discover that Paul ends up saying it's like, I don't need to talk to you about Philadelphia, the, the, the affection that you have for one another's brothers and sisters, but he ends up at the end of the passage saying, but no, this is really important. And what you have and what you're already demonstrating, I want you to demonstrate even more and more. It's, it's already yeah. overflowing in you, but have that, have it even only increase all the more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I think, yeah, there's no, there's no, okay. Did that met the mark. Now we move on to other things with, right. as it relates to love, there's always an, uh, a further step we could take in, in our living out of it. Oh, yeah, so that right. The, yeah. Go yeah, ahead. So that as I, as I was opening up, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> We're just all over on top of each other today. Right. Um, well, so when we talk about loving each other, you've, you talked about, um, I'm just trying to read my notes here. You've been, yeah. So we've been taught by God to love the agape love, which automatically means that we love our, our Christian brothers and sisters, our fellow followers of Jesus. And we love 
all of our fellow followers of Jesus, whether they're at Covenant Church or at a different church or mm-hmm. in a different country. Um, we love them all. And it's an outlook and a choice we make. And it, it is also specific actions. Yes, right. And that's we, we have made this distinction that is so important. And I think it's that it, we let it sink in that from a biblical perspective, love isn't feelings. It leads to feelings. I'm persuaded of that, but mm-hmm. it isn't feelings. It doesn't start with what I feel towards a person. It's not the same thing as liking a person at all. So it's very much of a, and I, I think I use the two terms of an outlook and a choice. It's, um, it's a, it's a way that I see you that's biblically informed. So I see you, Michelle, and mm-hmm. I see you with reference to God who is in the picture as I see you. And he is the one who created you, who brought you into existence. He is the one who is desiring to bring about his best in your life. Mm-hmm. And when I see you in that way, then my desire is to treat you with the honor and the worth that you deserve as a person created by God. And I want to share in what God is doing to encourage you in fixing your eyes on him and having God in the, in the right place in your life. So that outlook mm-hmm. stuff. And then the, the choice stuff is, um, all right, how do I find a way tangibly speaking to put you first? And I think often in our culture, that's small things like listening and mm-hmm. taking the time to not just dash off, which is always a challenge for me, but I'm to stay in a conversation and just be, be present and ask the next question and, and not be impatient and, um, and I think another place that that plays itself out within the believing community is in being quick to forgive and to overlook offense. And, and, you know, there's always this potential to subdivide among those who agree with us and see things the way we see them and to mm-hmm. reinforce one another's hurts and views and, and right. I think to overcome that and uh, to move towards unity. Those are all examples, I think, of the, the, the way that we do love rather than just feel love. So yes. then actually we, um, I asked the question, all right, so uh, Paul doesn't spell this out, but he's talking about how well the Thessalonians do love, mm-hmm. um, like do the action of love. Um, so what might that look like? And I walked through uh, these three, actually sort of four, these, th- um, these three biblical words and ideas um, that are overlapping ideas related to how we might love one another as brothers and sisters in the, in the church family. Right. Um, so let's see how accurate my notes are. All right. Great. Um, show brotherly sisterly affection and open hearts toward each other. Mm-hmm. That's one way. Yep. So let's just pause there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think. Um, I don't know if this is your experience, but I think our culture, like I, I pulled up Bible gateway to look at a verse and my, the frame of my computer screen is all these different images of things that people are trying to peddle to me and pictures of these things I could buy or click on or whatever. And it's like, stop it. I just stop assaulting me. And I think mm. we can feel that everywhere we go, there are ads or things that pop up on our phone. And, and every time we, put on the TV or what, I mean, it's like we, we are bombarded and I think mm-hmm. it can lead to this just stay away kind of mm-hmm. posture that gets formed in us. Mm-hmm. And I think um, when we come together um, in the body of Christ, getting to know people who are 
the other people in the pews with us. Um, did I just lose you? No. I'm, okay. Am I sideways? Nope. You're good. Okay, great. All right. My <laughs> phone is something's happening here. Sorry. Oh, um, no. Yeah. So I'll just keep going. Um, yep. Um, so I think um, overcoming this um, trained guardedness mm. in our culture and moving towards strangers or people we're just getting to know with an, an unguarded um, fondness that we have ahead of time for the person we don't know because we know that we share we have Jesus in common with them. Is mm. some of that kind of leaning in towards each other and knowing that we'll be caught by the other one's heart um, mm. rather than a, oh, hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. Okay, yeah, I mm-hmm. need to be on my way. You know, that kind of, uh, tell me more about yourself. How are you? What does what's, what your life look like? How, how did Jesus become important to you? You know, that kind of, that, um, wow, I, um, I really appreciate that comment. That's a great insight that you just made. You know, that kind of, that kind of generosity of affection yes. towards someone, I think <laughs> yes. becomes um, such quick glue uh, to help join us into the church family. So mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. a lot of what that first one's getting at. It's like sibling affection. Right, right. And I always told my kids, like, if you can learn to love your siblings and treat them kindly, then you can get along with anyone. And I remember one of my daughters came home one day and said, mom, I don't think that's true. I think it's a lot easier to be nice to other people. And I'm like, yes, exactly my point. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. It's, it's a, it sometimes takes a lot of labor, a lot of work to be kind to your siblings. Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, and your siblings are siblings for life. And our Christian, our fellow Christian believer, brothers and sisters, they are going to be siblings for eternity, not just uh, for yes. life. Yeah, that's exactly right, Michelle. Yeah. Yeah. And, so um, keeping that internal yeah, I, perspective in mind is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then our feelings will catch up with that. Um, mm-hmm. And in our culture, we show affection for those that we're, we like or have something in common with. And, and I think it's the part of this is, again, that outlook thing where I, I see that we have Jesus in common. So whether or not you look different from me or come from a different part of life or a different part of the world, that none of those are relevant. We, we yeah. share the most important thing. And yeah. so yeah. my heart is open to you. And Yeah. And open hearts. My next point is open homes. <laughs> right. Um, and what I was talking about there was a posture of hospitality. And I kind of talked about open heart, open home t- together because um, it, the, the one of the words for uh, hospitality is made of, up of these two words that mean move towards the other person and then draw them in. And then the mm-hmm. other one is basically means turn a stranger into a friend. And so it's, those are, um, they're words that are translated for the act of hospitality of our having, you know, somebody comes to our front door and we invite them in and bring them in and have a meal together or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but those are words that both get at the heart posture behind them. And right. so this is that, yeah. How do we, how do we open our hearts to each other in a way that ends up meaning that we open our lives up to each other? We share time together. We have each other over. We um, keep, we keep uh, bringing our lives together with other brothers and sisters in, in the church family. 
Mm, yeah. And then the last one I have is to respond to needs in a sacrificial way. Yeah. So this takes us to that, that third word, kind of Philadelphia is the first mm -hmm. one. And then these two words for hospitality. And then we come to agape. Um, and I, I really do believe that God, uh, there are so many who already live this out in such beautiful ways. Um, mm -hmm. But God is calling us to lean even more deeply into um, our loving one another sacrificially. And, mm -hmm. uh, and there's such beauty in that and such privilege in being able to do that. And mm -hmm. I certainly have room to grow in that. Uh, probably each of us would say that. Uh, but I think, um, yeah. you know, we, the, it, I, I still remember riding up the elevator and Procter and Gamble um, reading my little pocket new Testament um, when I uh, worked for them right out of college and coming to first John three sixteen, and, and I was just flattened by it on that ride from, from the first floor to the sixth floor, where I got out on my floor to go work for Pert shampoo brand, um, you know, to, to head to work is like, wow, this is how we know what love is that Jesus laid down his life for us. And so that's how we ought to love our brothers and sisters. Wow. I mean, it just spells it out. There you are. Yep. His laying down his life is the, the pattern um, that yeah. we're invited to follow. That's, and that, I can't do that without the Holy Spirit's help. No, without exactly the Holy right. Spirit inside of me. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's, yeah, that's, and Michelle, that is so right. You know, that we can't muster this up. We can't like, okay, all right, those are three things I should go do. I think those are three things we need to bring back to the Lord in desperation and say, those are three things I can't do apart yes. from you forming them in me, Lord, you give me that affection and fondness for my, my family members of faith. And, and you move me to move towards people and, and draw them in and to help strangers become friends. You move me to be willing to be put out for the sake of loving um, these brothers and sisters. Yeah, that is just his work. You're exactly yeah. right about that, Michelle. Yeah, and it's and, not, and, I, and like you said, it's not a checklist because Paul ends with this, you're already doing it and do it more and more yes. and more. Yes. So it's not a checklist that we can say, oh, done, go yes. on to the next thing. Yeah. Exactly. And it's so cool because his words that he chooses there, it's you're already overflowing with this. It's not like, okay, I see a trickle. This is great. Let's, how do we build it up to a little bit more of a river? And then it, it's yeah. like, no, you're already a, you're already a Niagara Falls and, and keep going um, and let it be true more and more. So I did yeah. share at the end of the uh, message that I really have had a sense that these three um, dimensions of our doing love mm -hmm. are that God is putting them before us as a church family now, that this is a season of, of a wonderful unity and connection that we already enjoy with each other. Uh, but I think these are three things he's really wanting to form more deeply in us, between mm -hmm. us, um, as a way of getting us ready for what's next. And mm -hmm. what's next isn't clear to me, but certainly one of the things we talked about this um, as lead team yesterday, certainly one of the things that I see as a what's next around the corner is I think we're, we are fast approaching the time where the the church will no longer have the footing in our culture that it has had mm -hmm. and um and i think um some of the moral dividing lines related to things like sex and gender and other things will begin to be places where we begin to experience our culture's impatience its sense of 
that our inviting them into the truth of God is our judging them. And I think we're just going to, that there's a, 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 I think we're going to experience more challenges as followers of Christ in days to come. And, and so some of this is a shoring up and a readying as well Mm -hmm. as just our experiencing more deeply what God has for us, the the wonderful abundance he has for us in the body of Christ. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, David. All right. Such a joy to be with you. Good to be with you too. And thank you to our audience, whether you've joined us live on Facebook or later on our blog or on our podcast, we're grateful for the time you spent with us today and have a great day. Grace on your day. Bye-bye.